Talk about sports. Well, we're not the only one, but we're the newest one. Uh, starting off, we have your host, Menopause Nick. No, you're the host. <laughs> Scuffed sure already. Host. <laughs> <laughs> Scuffed already, yeah. Oh, whatever. Yeah, bruh. <laughs> <laughs> On our panel today, we've got Menopause Nick. Hi. We've got Newman. Hey, I'm Brown. <laughs> and we have Monkey Claw Andrew Blake. Hey, I'm not brown. <laughs> nice to meet you, not brown. <laughs> oh boy, I can already tell what kind of show this is going to be. Uh, uh, all right, so we're going to be covering. We're going to be covering a wide variety of sports, probably mostly NHL, NFL, uh, NBA, NBA, maybe some uh, other stuff, boxing, uh, soccer. Women's beach what, volleyball, stuff. obviously. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. The only reason we're doing this is we don't want to pay for therapy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. Isn't that why everybody starts a podcast? Is because it's just cheaper to record your discord conversations then talk to a therapist exactly so tell me about your childhood <laughs> no we're not getting into that well in we 1994 are... <laughs> <laughs> the new york knicks still sucked <laughs> yes, <laughs> always oh, hey Hey, but the, well, you know hey, what? but the Knicks look good right now. Like they're pretty high in those standings. Don't oh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're gonna be the a round. they're gonna be a threat. They're gonna be yeah. a threat. Yeah, until they the lose playoffs. in the first round. They're not gonna don't, be a... <laughs> don't sleep on this Julius Randle. Like I've seen him. The only yeah. time the New York Knicks are gonna win an NBA championship is in Stephen A. Smith's dreams. That's it. That is a pretty good segue, actually, to be honest with you, because one of the things I've got on my little list here is NBA playoff predictions. So, uh, who you got, boys? So, let's do in East me. and West. Yeah, let's talk about... Let's do East first. Let's do East first. <clears throat> so, top of the East right now is the Philadelphia 76ers. But trust the process. You can't trust the process because it's the Sixers. I, Why did they going... even come up with that slogan if it was never going to work in the first place? Well, well, they thought it was going to work because they were trusting the process. <laughs> Turns out, didn't work as well. Well, well still... it could work still. It, the process is still happening, but it's just you can't trust it anymore. Well, overall, the East is like they're all good. Like there's four teams that are really good in the East, so I... it's difficult. I still have a hard time not saying the Brooklyn Nets, just because you have, you have, um, uh, my mind is blanking. Who's on their roster right now? Durant, Durant, yeah. Harden, Katie, Harden, uh, Irving, Irving, like that top three is insane. 
already. Yeah, as- yeah, assuming though they show up to the game. Like that let's, is let's true. Just... Kyrie Irving may just say, "I don't want to play in the NBA anymore" because reasons. Yeah, Irving's so. been really weird. Like at least Harden and um, Durant make sense because they're injured or injury prone. Irving's just taking games off now, and there's always a different excuse about what he's doing or when he's doing it. So it's like I get. I think he's going to play in the playoffs. Like. Why would you skip on a playoff yeah. game, right? Like that's crazy. Yeah, I, but like, I, yeah, I think the Brooklyn Nets are made to explode, just because, like, um, think about it. They're injured already, right? Like, um, Durant's injured. Um, Harden is injured. Um, Irving is leaving everywhere. So I think it's hard to pick them. I think they are the best team on paper, but like on paper, we all know on paper means nothing. Um, in the playoffs. And um, basketball, the game slows down, and Brooklyn can't play any defense. So, I, like, if I had to choose, like, it's probably between the Sixers or the Bucks. The issue is with the seedings. So, I don't, I don't know if you guys know the seedings right now, but um, I like have for them on Bro- my computer right now. Yeah, for Brooklyn to win, or um, like the Brooklyn has a hard way because they're going to have to face. Um, Either like they're going to face the Celtics or someone in the first round. Who cares? But in the second round, they're going to have to face the Bucks. And while they face the Bucks, the 76ers are going to place like the Hawks or the Knicks and just sweep them. So the 76ers are going to be like rested while Brooklyn and the Bucks are going to go to war. So that's going to be a difficult second round. So I like I think the 76ers have the easiest way to the final, but you can't trust them. You can't trust Brooklyn. The Bucks failed last year. The Knicks suck. Everyone so, else sucks. So the only logical option is for the repeat Eastern Conference champions for the Miami Heat to because well, they're all it, healthy and they're playing good basketball right now. I was actually going to ask that to be honest. Like, um, what is the likelihood? I know it doesn't happen in basketball near as much as you see it in like hockey, for example, but. What are the likelihood of maybe one of those other teams, like the Atlanta Hawks or the Miami Heat or the Boston Celtics, even stepping up their game and actually pushing through as an underdog? Like, it's are they that is is it that much of a disparity, or could we expect maybe there be a little bit of an underdog story developing? It, it's still it's zero. It's zero. The like the reason Miami did so well last year was because it's a bubble and. Butler could like run his like camp as a camp and everyone just did exactly what he said and everyone else in the bubble was just like um like hating it in the bubble. This time like it's just going to it's an equal playing field for everybody. And so like the, the that's going to hurt Miami, it's going to hurt the Lakers in the West because like those teams had like a really good leader to like say, "Hey, this is the team, this is what we're going to do." But like now everyone's going to be like half decent leadership because we're they're not in a bubble. And everyone cares again. Like I, I think there's zero chance. Like, um, I know you're a Heat fan. I'm a, I'm a Celtics fan. There's zero chance. Like, I don't, I don't see a way because, um, like I think Miami could get to the second round beating the Knicks. The Celtics are not beating, um, the Nets, and like Phoenix is gonna have a cakewalk against whoever's eight. And so like this easy Phoenix team is just gonna run until Philly? it hits Brooklyn. You mean Philly? Oh, yeah, sorry. I said Phoenix, Philly, yeah. We're, right. we're not in the West yet, man. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there, and then I'll hype up my team who's not going to win. 
your team has no chance. Oh. Like it has a negative chance. Like Memphis, I'm a Grizzlies fan, and I don't think <laughs> Memphis is like I think they'll get out of the play-in, but like we'll be the eighth seed probably, and we got to play Utah, and I don't see us getting. We'll say that. We'll say that for the West. Yeah. Okay. So, so um, my 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 understanding is they're going to be doing a play-in round for seeds seven through ten. Yeah. Just because of the shortened season. Yeah. So uh, how it right works now. Sorry, go ahead. So, so how it works is seven and eight are going to face. The winner gets seventh place. Okay. Then yeah. nine and ten are going to place, and the loser is out. The winner of nine and ten is going to face the loser of seven and eight, and the winner is going to get the eighth spot. So pretty okay. much, if you're in nine and ten, you have to win two games in a row. If you're yeah. in seven or eight, you just need to win the first one. But if you lose the first one, you still have a shot at the second game to get your eighth spot back. Okay. So it's Zimmy. it's what they it's what they did in the bubble because there was lots of teams like eight, uh, nine, ten, eleven that were close, and they were all complaining that hey, if we come back, we want a chance at actually making this. And it's one game. It's not like a series, right? No, it's I one know. game. It's one game. So, like, if you're in seven and you lose two in a row, then you're out. You're out of the playoffs. It's a little crazy. Like, I, I'm i not a big fan of it um, because it pretty much makes the regular season almost worthless. Because you can legit crap your way into, like, seven to eleven and or seven to ten, sorry. And just be like, yeah, I'm good to make the playoffs as well, right? And I know it's like, oh, like it'll stop some tanking, but like tanking's gonna happen no matter what rules you apply to a game. Well, yeah, you so, look at. I have the stats right now, and like you look at the tenth spot in the East is the Indiana Pacers, who are 31 and 36, and they have a mm-hmm. losing record, and they're in the play-in. They could make the playoffs with a losing yeah. record. And then, like, if the Pacers get hot for one game, beat Washington or Charlotte, like. Then it looks bad, right? And it just says, "Oh, the the season actually is worth nothing." But yeah, like like tanking is just something that's going to happen no matter what. Just look at the Oilers every year; they just it's just one of their go-to <laughs> hey, strategies. Hey, 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 hey. We're hey, I just want to tell you. I just want to tell you. Go look at the standings. Who's higher, San Jose or the Oilers? And you want to know the better fact? When we tanked, we at least had our picks. Okay, you tanked without oh. the pick. All right. I just want to let you know that. So where's oh, Yakupov? Man. Where is he? Where is he again? Can, can you tell me? KHL champion, Nail Yakupov? Yeah, KHL? Yeah, I didn't know that. I thought that was the NHL that mattered. I'd rather lose Yakupov than have Eric Carlson's contract. Or oh, Lassie's contract. Or Brett Burns's contract. Oh. Or Couture's contract. Should I keep going? No. <laughs> as just, uh, as you know, as riveting as this is, I'm going to put it on pause, and we're going to keep moving on the NBA, and we will come back to the NHL later in the show. Because there is something there, there is something I want to get to. We're still covering the Eastern Conference. Um, right, let's jump to the West. I think let's just jump to yeah. the West. Well, Nick, before, take it away with before, your team. Before we do that, I do just want to ask. Um, so we've got in seventh, we've got the Celtics. Eighth, we've got the Hornets. Ninth is the Wizards and 10th is the Pacers. Which two teams do you guys think come out of that and into the playoffs? Or is it like it actually could be any of those guys? 
It's going to be the Celtics guaranteed. I th- like the issue I think is I think the Celtics are in for sure. Washington is the hottest one of the hotter teams in the league right now. So they could make a push. So if I had to choose it would be Boston Washington. But if Charlotte won, I think it would be like uh, it wouldn't shock me. I think if um I think Charlotte gets in if LaMelo Ball goes like supernova. But I don't think he will. So I'm going to agree with you, Boston and Washington. Their team is very exciting, Charlotte. All right. Uh, so with that, who are we calling out of the East? Because I'm seeing the 76ers, the Nets, the Bucks. I think I'm leaning with Nick and saying the Bucks. I said the Nets. The Heat. Oh, <laughs> I thought you said no. Who said the Bucks? Well, I'll, I'll say the Bucks. Yeah, I was going to say the Bucks. I'll. I, I'm going to be saying the Bucks. Uh, I'll say the Bucks or the 76ers. So, Brennan, since you said Bucks, I'll say 76ers. Okay. And then, um, so I'll Nick say, said Nets. I'll say the Heat because I already know we can beat the Bucks and the Celtics. And I'm going with Brooklyn. Yeah, Brooklyn. Sounds good. All right. We're never healthy. <laughs> <laughs> Moving to the Western Conference. The standings as of right now in 10th uh, place, we have the Spurs. In 9th, we have the Grizzlies. In 8th, we have the Golden State Warriors. In 7th, we have the LA Lakers. 6th, the Trailblazers. 5th, the Mavericks. 4th, the Nuggets. 3rd, the Clippers. 2nd, the Suns. And top of the division is the Who's driving a Benz in the background? <laughs> I heard that too. <laughs> um, you know, uh, it's hard because like half the Lakers team is injured, but it's also I also don't want to count out LeBron James because it's LeBron James. Like if he comes back in the playoffs, LeBron has proven time and time again with Cleveland that he can carry a team into the finals. So it's hard to bet against them, but. I'm going to take a shot in the dark. I'm going to say uh, Luca and the Dallas Mavericks. See, that's what I was thinking, Nick, too. I think it's the Dallas Mavericks. I don't think the Clippers have much of a chance. They shown last year that they just choke when it matters most. I will pick the Clippers if they can get past the second round. If they can't get past the second round, I have zero faith that they can do anything. Well, Would it be fair to equate the Clippers to, say, the Washington Capitals of the NHL, where they seem like a, an incredibly good team, but never seem to be able to make it past the second round? I like that you guys said that, because my pick to win and come out of the West is the LA Clippers. All right, so let me just tell you my reasoning, and then I can tell you why you're all dumb, okay? So first, the <laughs> Lakers... Uh, I'm just kidding, guys. The Lakers first. Um, I would choose LeBron. I, you, you guys know I like LeBron. Um, still the best player in the league. He is injured. I don't know how good he's going to come back at. Even if he's like 80%, like he's going to come in slow. Uh, it's going to be so difficult for the Lakers to like pull out. The especially since they're going to have to face every good team. Um, and Anthony Davis has been injured the whole year. Dennis Shooter's been injured the whole year. And so I think the injuries will get them. Um, I think the Clippers, um, again, we talk about best team on paper. The Clippers are the best team on paper. They um, also got Rajon Rondo in uh, trade, trade or buyout, I can't remember. Um, but Rajon Rondo was on the Lakers team that won yesterday. And his leadership is crazy and his playoff mode is crazy. And I think that will help the like head problems that they had last year. 
And you also got to remember, like, every team, when they first get assembled on their first year, is usually bad. Like, Miami Heat, when they had LeBron their first year, they were bad. Um, uh, when he went to Cleveland again, he was bad. Golden State's first year, they weren't very good when they had all Clay, um, um, Clay, Clay yeah, Draymond, and, um, Draymond. Yeah. Thank you. Right. And so uh, until they got Durant. So there's a usually an adjustment period like any other team. So uh, I think the Clippers adjustment period was last year. They're going to come in hot fire. I don't think like the it usually was the West was always better. This year, the West is not really good. Denver lost its um, uh, second best player to injury for the rest of the season. Um, Phoenix and Air, uh, Utah is just that no one like concentrates on them. Once you concentrate on them, you, you it's easy to beat. It's just that no one picks them apart. Um, Dallas, they can't defend anyone. They legit like let so many people score in them. Their defense is almost as bad as the Brooklyn's. Um, Portland doesn't have a center, small forward, or power forward. Um, and the Golden State don't have a chance. So I think it's the Clippers. It's the Clippers to lose. Um, I get the mental issues, but like the first year being put together, they got rid of the coach that was bad. They put in way bit more, more leadership in. I think, and they match up the best against everyone. And I don't think there's a good, like a good matchup against them. Like on, I think the 76ers are a good matchup against them, but the, that's in the final, right? So, so I would choose the Clippers. I mean, so I can... can I ask what happened to the Golden State Warriors? Because I remember not even two years ago they were top of the division. They were a superstar team. They and then I believe it was two years ago they lost a whole bunch of guys due to injury and got a super high draft pick. Like, why haven't they been able to assemble it? Is it just injuries? It's mostly injuries. They got um, Clay was injured last year or like two years ago now. And then Draymond was injured two years ago. Steph was injured two years ago. They all came back to this season. Clay got injured before the season started in workouts. So he was gone for this whole season again. Um, and then the system doesn't work. Like, Golden State was that the team that was, like, the perfect pieces team. And then, so when you take one piece out, it's just not exactly the same. So we just wait till they get their pieces together and life figured out. But it's sad. Like, the way they played basketball was really cool. All right. Well, I remember. Um, I remember all those years between the Lakers, not the Lakers, the Warriors and the Cavaliers in the final, and like Golden State was just a monster team. Like they had four All Stars on as their starters. Like, yeah, that's crazy. Like everyone craps on them for building a super team, but like they drafted Steph Curry, they drafted Draymond Green, they drafted Clay Thompson, like. The only one who they signed was Kevin Durant. He's yeah, the down. super team argument is really bad because there's been super teams forever. Like, yeah. Will Chamberlain look, made one. Magic and Kareem had one. You look at LeBron like, when he went to Miami. Yeah. Even before that, the Boston Celtics had one with uh, Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, um, Paul Pierce. Like, there's always, there's always have been and will be super teams in the NBA. All right. So, Brennan, who's your... Uh, well, see, my homer pick is going to say the Dallas or the Denver Nuggets. Not Dallas. Why did I say Dallas? Denver Nuggets, um, just because, you know, they're my team. They're kind of the guys that I've been rooting for for a while now. Uh, but at the same time, like, you lose one of your best players due to injury. That's not going to do well for you in the playoffs. Like, you might be able to make it past the Mavericks, but I don't see them going any farther than maybe the second round. Unless the matchups 
like intensely favor them, but I I, I kind of want to say like for me it all depends on does LeBron come back for the playoffs because even an eighty percent LeBron to me is still like a guy that can swing a series in his favor. So if LeBron comes back, I'm gonna say the Lakers. If not, I think I have to agree with Nate and go with the Clippers. Andrew Nick. Uh, I'm still going to say Dallas. I, I, I like Luca too much. To be, to be spicy, I think I'll still stick. I, I think I'll go with the Lakers with Brennan just because uh, you can't count out Anthony Davis or LeBron. For me, LeBron is like Brady. Yes, there's other good teams built uh, to beat him. But when you have the goats, you just can't count out the goats. And they just find a way to get it done. And for me, that's what happened last year when LeBron and Anthony Davis beat my Miami Heat. Granted, we got so many injuries in round one, but I'm not salty about that at all. Be real, can, you're um, really you, salty. I can um, I can um, taste the salt through the Discord mic. Uh, my only other talking point I have on this is something I think is going to be pretty pretty expectant. Uh, the got the teams at the moment playing in the play-in are the Lakers, the Warriors, the Grizzlies, and the Spurs. And to be honest, I don't see any what like I don't know of any scenario where the Grizzlies or the Spurs make it out of the play-in. Am I you crazy to think that? Take, or you take that back? The Grizzlies are going to win in the play-in. I, I don't. Know. I think the Spurs can beat Golden State, but that's my. I think tell. Memphis. I don't think Memphis could beat LA, but I think they could beat Golden State, and I think they could beat San Antonio because we're get. And it's not just because I'm a Grizzlies homer, but like you have John Morant, who's arguably one of the best younger players in the league. You have Jaron Jackson Jr. back. Like they crushed the Ra- Raptors last night. I think it's going to be um, Lakers Golden State. The only reason I could see is like if LeBron and AD don't play, then Golden State's gonna win, and then maybe Memphis or Spurs win. But that's like the if both of them are injured. All right. Uh, yeah, that's all I got on uh, NBA. But actually, it it works because Andrew, you were talking about uh, you know never counting out a team if they've got an MVP. You brought up Brady, and I think that's a good way to segue. Uh, into some of the NFL rumblings that have been going on. Specifically, um, the Green Bay Packers have been having some issues with their star quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, recently. And I found that whole scenario kind of, like the entire talking point behind it, it's just you don't usually see a star player that outspoken about not wanting to play for the team. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Like, um, usually when you have a great player, you want to like make the prime his best, right? And, or like do the best to like give him the stuff he needs. Um, but like, this didn't happen here. If you think about like Payne Manning or like um, Tom Brady, like Tom Brady in Tampa, like Tom Brady legit was given everything to make him like him his life easier. Right. And everything the uh, Green Bay Packers are doing are to make uh, Aaron Rodgers life harder. 
I was reading this thing. It was hilarious, actually. Um, it said that um, this year, when um, the Chicago Bears drafted um, Justin Fields, they called um, – who's the QB they signed? Uh, Nick, um, me. Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton. Yeah. Um, so they signed Andy Dalton, right? When they were about to draft um, Fields, they called Andy Dalton and said, hey, Andy Dalton, we're drafting this rookie QB. Um, when Tampa Bay uh, picked that quarterback at the last end of the first round, they called Tom Brady and said, hey, we're going to pick this quarterback at the, in the last pick of this last round. Um, and those two guys, this is their first year at, at that team. Like um, Dalton hasn't even played a game. And the coaching staff and the like GM had like enough in their heart to like tell the QB we're drafting someone last year, green Bay drafted a QB and didn't even tell Aaron Rodgers. and Aaron Rodgers has been there for how many years now? I don't even know. And, and so it's just like the difference of like teams of like, Hey, what just happened? Like, and the thing that really gets me with that whole scenario is like last year, the Packers drafted Jordan love and they didn't tell Aaron Rodgers. But like, the thing is they traded up to draft Jordan Love. When the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers back in 2005, I think, um, the reason they drafted him is because he fell in the draft right to them, even though they already had Brett Favre and he learned under Brett Favre. But the thing is, like, they traded up. They're like, this is the guy we want. And the fact that they traded up to draft this guy and didn't even tell Aaron Rodgers that they're doing that, it just shows the disconnect between franchise and player, right? Yeah, but I, I just don't I don't think the management has to listen to to the player. Like it's their job to draft players. It's not the player's job to tell them who to draft or who they shouldn't draft. Management doesn't have to listen to players' concerns. I, I, yeah, I don't so, see a problem with that. Like I totally agree with that. You don't need to tell your players anything. But the idea is like you're not asking your player what do I need to do here? You're saying, I'm doing this, and I'm letting you know beforehand. Like, you don't just trade someone and then tell them after. Like, you don't let them hear on Twitter they, they got traded, right? You, like, tell the player, I'm trading you, or I have traded you here, right? It's just that, like, you can't treat it as a – like, it is a business, but you still think, like, this is a person. Like, you can't just say, hey, I'm doing this and not going to tell you or not going to, like, let you know at all, right? So uh, it, it just uh, – yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, it's not like he's being traded. Yes, they drafted a quarterback who will be the quarterback for the future because you know Aaron Rodgers won't last forever. No one does. So but it's like, not, not like the they're tra trading him. Like, it's not the that's not the problem that they are replacing him. That's not the issue. The issue is that they could have drafted a wide receiver to help him. They could have drafted an O-lineman to help him, right? Like they, they purposely picked a QB just so they could be like, hey, we have a replacement in case that like you're going to if you're going to get more upset at us or like they they didn't think, oh, we have one of the best QBs in the league. We should um, uh, try to win a Super Bowl this year. They're like, oh, no, we'll just draft for the future. Right. It's like say like if you have McDavid and you're like, oh, I'm going to trade um, R&H away for a first round pick and then I'm going to trade Drysaddle for another first in something extra like. It's not like it's not like a necessarily a bad trade. It's just that you want to w uh, open your window now, right? Our our window for winning is not when McDavid's like thirty five, 
the win window for winning is now. So when you're the Aaron Rodgers, your winning is now. You we have to you have to win now. There's no excuse not to win now. So when you're trading away picks for future stuff or getting a QB for five years down the road, there is no use for him when you who cares about five years down the road when you're trying to win a Super Bowl this year or next year. Well, and I want like thinking from management's perspective, I mean Aaron Rodgers has played what, 13, 14 seasons in the NFL now? Like, I can absolutely see their perspective as this guy is 37 years old. We don't know how much more he's got in the tank. Um, and maybe, you know what, the guy falls into their lap or they trade up to get this young quarterback. But I mean, I've, I pulled up uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers' stats right now. And I mean, the first three years he played for Green Bay, he started three games and then two games and then another two games. So, I mean, it's not like, uh, to me at least, if I'm management, I'm looking at it as the guy's 37, maybe now's the time to get him to be training up a new guy to take over that role. Now, it, I also I can also see why it would be disrespectful not to at least say that, hey, that's the plan, because the guy's been with you since he was 20, you drafted him at 22 years old, like, I can absolutely see how it'd be disrespectful. Just, I'm just looking at trying to look at it from both sides, right? Like the main issue is like in the NHL, in the NBA, the like maybe the top five picks, top ten picks will play, right? In the NFL, everyone in the top two rounds, maybe even three, will start opening day. Like that's how the because there's so many people on the roster, so many players, so many positions. So when you're like passing up. Uh, a wide receiver that will start on next to Aaron Rodgers and get him touchdowns versus a guy that will help him in three to five years. That's the painful thing, right? Because like they're trying to win right now. That's a fair point. So if Green Bay did not take a quarterback and they drafted someone that would be uh, helpful to Aaron Rodgers, that someone could complement their lineup already, do you think they're one or two draft picks away from winning a Super Bowl? Or, like, are they kind of stuck in that limbo where they've got a lot of good players, but it isn't quite enough to get over the top? Well, the thing is, too, is, like, the last two two or three seasons, the Packers have been in the NFC Championship game. They just can't get over the hump. So what the fact that they're drafting for the future, even though – They've proven time and time again they can get to the conference championship. It just doesn't make any sense. At 26, Green Bay Packers, um, who picked Jordan Love, they could have picked um, T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, um, DeAndre Swift. All these are receivers or running backs that played on their team. The Cincinnati Bengals' T. Higgins, I think, had a really good season. Like he had a lot of yards this season and it would have been really good if uh, Green Bay had that type of firepower. He had 908 yards. So like, like easily could have fit with one of the best quarterbacks. So you're like, I know it's like 2020 looking back at the draft, but they, they messed up when they picked the only player in their area that wasn't going to play a single game for them. Right. Because the the backup quarterback doesn't play a game. They just sit. Mm -hmm. So everyone else would have at least played a game or two or more the season and actually helped. 
And the thing is, you look at this year too, like they could have drafted a wide receiver, but instead they took a cornerback in the first round. And it's just like, why? Like, you don't need to bolster your defense. Like, you need more like weapons for Aaron Rodgers. Why are you not doing that? So I guess then the next question would be, uh, there have been statements coming out that Aaron Rodgers has made it clear he does not want to play for the Green Bay Packers anymore. If he does get traded, like uh, my assumption would be they're not going to straight up terminate his contract because he's probably got it written in somewhere that they can't do that. Where does he get traded to? Like what kind of, what team is going to say, we will take Aaron Rodgers and that's going to make us go to the moon. The biggest team I've been seeing is the Denver Broncos. Which would make would make me really feel like they're just trying to repeat what they did with um, Peyton Manning. But the issue is, when they got Peyton Manning, they signed Peyton Manning because oh. the, he got cut by the Colts. So, in this scenario, you're trading for Aaron Rodgers. So it's like, what do you want to give up? But of all the teams I've been seeing, it's been Denver. And also, like that team when they got Peyton Manning had the best defense in the league. They were like, we have the best defense. Let's get Payne Manning to run our offense. Good. Like, the Denver Broncos don't have the best defense. I don't know what team he will go to, but I can just tell you three teams he's not going to go to. He will not go to the Vikings. He will not go to the Chicago Bears. And he will not go to the Detroit Lions. I know those three for a fact, because Packers are not going to trade him into their own division. Like, that's just going to, like, that's just a, like, they won't do that. So what anywhere if, else is fair game. I have a bit of a hot take. What if he gets traded to this nice little area up by Boston called Foxborough and good old Bill Belichick decides, oh, let's trade for Aaron Rodgers and then you have Aaron Rodgers wearing number 12 for the New England Patriots. <laughs> I, I like the dream scenario. The issue is the Bill Belichick is like the only other coach in the whole league that wouldn't listen to Aaron Rodgers because he never even listened to Tom Brady, right? That is true. <laughs> so I don't think the I don't think Rodgers would want to go there. That's true. like and they just lost Julian Edelman to retirement. So like things places I could see. Um, Houston, depending on what Watson's going to do with his life. Um, uh, Broncos are a good pick. Could you Im- go ahead? Could you imagine if they traded Aaron Rodgers for Deshaun Watson? I like. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't think that. Like Houston, I don't think um the Packers would do that, especially if Watson's missing a whole year. And I don't. I don't. I don't even want to talk about Watson. Just next. Like that's just. Yeah, that's, I we don't want, want to get into that. Let's go with this. Before we move on, just might be a fun little thing here. Who are your way too early uh, Super Bowl matchups? What's the, what's the Super Bowl matchup? February of 2022. Ooh. Based on just the draft and the rumblings of free agency. Well, in the NFC, I got to go with Tampa Bay. 
sorry, Tampa Bay, because they have all their starters back from last year, plus guys who are injured who can't who didn't even play last year. So in the NFC, you gotta go. You can't count out Tom Brady. I think Brady's gonna get to the big game again and try to go for ring numbers eight. Uh, in the AFC, however, I'm gonna go Buffalo. Buffalo Bills. Oh, Andrew. Uh, hold on, I'm just checking something. You can give yours. Go check okay. something first. Newman, um, what do you got? Because I want to be different. Uh, like Tampa Bay is the best team on paper. They got better after winning the Super Bowl. Um, I'm going to choose this team, the Los Angeles Rams. Okay, they got Ma- Matthew Stafford, so their quarterback play is going to be better. They had the best defense in the league. Now they actually have a gunslinger. Um, they do have a good few receivers, and I think they can figure it out. They will be a hard team um, to beat. Tampa, though, is like Tom Brady. Like you said, you don't go, go against the GOATs. And again, I want to mention NFC East. Everyone's terrible still. Um, in the AFC, um, Buffalo's a good pick. Um, I think Andrew's going to choose Kansas City, so I'm not going to choose them. They are really good. Um, I do think the uh, the Baltimore Ravens, if they ever figure out their life, is going to be good. I think they just have head problems. Um, and also the this is going to be fun, funny, but the Cleveland Browns, um, uh-huh. Odell Beckham Jr. is coming back, and he's going to be healthy for the first time in a few years. So you're giving a team that was 11 and five. Uh, uh, another top tier uh, uh, wide receiver, so they'll be good. I I will go as uh, my esteemed colleague already pointed out. I will go with the Kansas City Chiefs, the champions. Not this year, of course, but the year don't, before. Don't, they've don't got the next that Super Bowl. <laughs> they've got the next. Generational talent in my homie, uh, Patrick Mahomes, and uh, with Tyreek Hill, um, Travis Kelsey, Clyde Edwards Alaire. Like, it's just a team built to win top to bottom with Andy Reid. Yes, he likes hamburgers, but he's really good at coaching. But um, in the uh, NFC, I'm going to have to go with my dad's team, the Chicago Bears, because I think they I think they got what it takes. They made it to the playoffs last year. Yes, they got bounced out, but I think it's because they're missing a QB. And let's be honest, Mitch Trubisky was not the right guy. But now they got the new phenom, Justin Fields. And I know everyone's going to say they need to develop him, but I think they'll rush him in. And I think he's just going to blow away the competition. They they should rush him in for Chicago. Like Chicago is going to be super mediocre if he, they don't do well. Uh, if he does well, then they'll be golden. Um, in Kansas City, I want to give you props. They're old. They got like two old linemen to increase their old line, and that was their biggest weakness. So they have improved a lot. I would just like to say my 49ers have improved a lot, but I just don't see them getting past Tom Brady. I have always been a fan of underdogs. I always will be a fan of underdogs. And a team that I think 
could make some noise. So uh, my pick way too early is probably wrong. I'm still going to stick with it. I'm going to say the Saints. Um, if Taysom Hill can step up and be that new starter that they need, I know Drew Brees just retired. Um, so they are lacking a quarterback, but it's assumed that Taysom Hill is going to be starting it. Uh, this coming season, so unless like unless they trade for another quarterback, but I could see the Saints pulling something off. For the only reason being, I'm a fan of the underdogs. I'd rather see a team win that people don't expect to win because I think it makes for better entertainment, personally. And AFC. Um. AFC, I, 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 I'm not a hundred percent sure, to be honest with you. I, I don't probably don't follow football enough to have like perfect picks. So, just go with I'm the not, Chiefs. It's just a smart <laughs> choice. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean, he's not wrong. The Chiefs are a fantastic team and could absolutely go back to a Super Bowl. So, I sure, do like. You know what? I'm going to say the Chiefs and the Saints as the Super Bowl this year. I like the idea of underdog, though, especially in the NFL. NFL has this um, crazy thing. It also makes it amazing that playoffs are only one game. And I think that changes everything because if you're a hot team, you, you legit can win four games in a row and you can win the Super Bowl. And you can't do that in other sports. Like best of seven series, usually the better team usually wins. In yeah, the NFL, like, you can have a game and you can steal a game pretty easily. Look at well, when the Giants beat the sixteen and zero. Pa- no, no, more than that, the nineteen and zero Patriots. Like, mm-hmm. well, it's like uh, last year. Everyone thought Pittsburgh was like guaranteed to be like make a run at it, but they ran into Cleveland yeah. <laughs> and got embarrassed. If we're going underdogs, by the way, I'm 100% jumping on my bandwagon and 49ers. I actually think I think the 49ers will be really good. Like, if we if we can get everyone healthy and if Jimmy Garoppolo can stay healthy, your best three players are injured. All those three guys are coming back. If they stay healthy, you have a chance. Um, even though you like drafted a Q uh, a QB, like oh, that's just true. Trey Lance isn't even going to start this year. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. he's going to so, train under Garoppolo, which I think will be perfect for the next one to two years. So, so uh, Newman, my question for you is: uh, if he if he's available, are you going to draft George Kittle again in fantasy football, or yeah. is the PTSD too much? <laughs> the PTSD is way too much. There's no way. Like, there's no way I draft Kittle. Kittle played oh. like three games for me. If I if I had a healthy Kittle, I would have won. That's that's the hard part. Stupid Kittle. I'll draft George Kittle day in day out. I love that guy. I love him as a player. I love his attitude. He's hilarious. But for fantasy, we'll just stay away from him. Well, we can go with a safer tight end somewhere else. And I'll draft both Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes again, and not trade one of them to you. <laughs> anyway, you traded them. You traded them to Nick anyway, so. Oh man, we should do a podcast of our fantasy football draft. Oh gosh, maybe maybe save that one for the live special. 
All right. Anything with else we that, want to Yeah. Um, with that, I think we're going to segue into our final segment of the show. Uh, I had alluded to it earlier, and I wanted to put it on pause because I feel like this one's going to become the most heated and maybe the most entertaining. We're going to dive into the NHL. Um, now, before we get going, I do want to say that next week is going to be our playoff special. We're going to take the entire episode and really break down the NHL playoffs. So we'll maybe touch on that a little bit this week, but that's going to be – I'm going to try and save that content for a big breakdown next week. There's nothing uh, to break down. Toronto's going to win. Okay, you may continue. <laughs> Um, and so Andrew, no. <laughs> I'm going to start. What's the question? What's the question? So the first thing that I have written down is uh, we're going to talk players because there's a lot of different guys in it. Um, who in your mind is the most overrated player in the NHL and why? Oh, let's go, boys. Paul Stasny is the most overrated player in the National Hockey League. And honestly, it's because everyone keeps saying, oh, he's a bona fide second-line center. He is not. He's a second-line center on maybe Buffalo. Like, he is not as good as people make him out to be. Okay. Should I tell you why you're right or why you're wrong? <laughs> give me both. Boys. I mean, I mean, you should probably give them both, but uh, it's up to you. Okay. Man. The like the definite the question was, is he overrated? Okay. So I don't know how you can be overrated when everyone already doesn't think he's good. There's like <laughs> there's, like there's no one that thinks he's a first line center. There's barely people that thinks he's a second line center. So how can he be overrated? When no one thinks he's good, so like that, well, like I that mean, just because my brother ahead. thinks he's good, and it just pisses him off when I tell him <laughs> he's wrong. I I think a lot of people will look at the season that he had in Vegas, and that they'll base it off of that because he was playing. He got signed to Vegas. All of a sudden, he's playing in easily one of the best teams in the league, and putting up points, looking like a bona fide top six forward. And then goes on to do jack all in other uh, on other teams, but people will point to that Vegas run as that's why he's a top player. So, just my view of it. Like I don't I don't know what you expect from him. He's old. Like he's past his prime. Um, he's legit just filling a spot on the second line or third line. He could do that on any team. Like he's good defensively, good on faceoffs. Like he won't bring too much offense. Probably like fifteen goals. Like they're like it's just normal. Like he's just a regular player. So they're like that's why I don't think he's overrated because I wouldn't even rate him. Like would you consider he's not a top fifty player, top a hundred maybe? I don't know. Like I don't want to make that list. So that's why I wouldn't say like okay you want to say he's overrated. Like who really cares? He's a top hundred player, second line, third line. No one, no one in the world would argue for first line, right? So it's just here, hum, there. So then, who would be your pick? Um, my pick is Mitch Marner. 
<laughs> really? That's a hot take. I okay. Think... All right. Here we go. <laughs> Marner is the most overrated player in the league. Okay. So I think um, you got to think about it first. Players that play behind another top end scorer are always going to be a little overrated because they don't have to face the first defensive matchup. So that's dry sidle in the for the Oilers because who gets all the first line matchup? McDavid. Who gets double teamed? McDavid. Right. Same thing in Toronto. Who gets double teamed? Um, Marner and Matthews both play on the first line in Toronto. Yes, but when you when you are playing defense again against it, no coach is saying, um, "Hey, make sure you understand where uh, Matthews is." Oh, sorry, Matt, understand where Marner is. They're all saying, "Make sure you control where Matthews is." That's like that. That's the first option when you're um, playing defense against that line. So even don't, if they're on the same that. line, you you they play special attention to Matthews, not Marner, which makes Marner's life easier than Matthews. So you would have the same comparison for a team like Pittsburgh where you've got Crosby on the of top course. line and then yeah, he'll be Malkin, on the second Malkin line. gets a softer minutes just because Crosby's there. And it's it's not their fault. It's not Marner's fault. It's not Dry Saddle's fault. And it's not Malkin's fault. I'm not saying Mitch Marner is a bad player. He is a very good player. He is just overrated, especially for the price point he's at. So like his contract, I'm pretty sure he's like the, the seventh highest player in the league. I'm pretty sure. And then like I think for wingers, I'm only I only can think Panarin is higher for wingers than him. And then if you think about like who's actually all better than him, there's a whole bunch of players actually just straight up better than him than where his salary lines up, right? And let's just talk about wingers, right? So Panarin is better than him. Patrick Kane's better than him. Um, Alexander Ovechkin's better than him. Uh, that's off the top of my head, right? And then let's – actually, let me just bring up the list. He's even got a list. Look at that. No, no, I'm just Googling the top scores in the NHL right now. <laughs> okay, I, I, will I, go, just, I mean, I, I can tell you who the top scorer is right now because okay, he just so hit 100 points in 53 let, let's just, games. Let's just go wingers. I'll just go wingers, okay? You won't, You don't take Marner's over Dreisaitl. You don't take no. Marner over Brad Marchand. You don't take him over Panarin. You don't take him over a healthy Kucherov. You don't take him over, over um, Rantanen. You don't take him over Ovechkin. You don't take him over Kane. You don't take him over Pasternak. You don't take him over Jonathan Huberto. I can make you an argument, but Florida's underrated, so I'm going to give Huberto the pass. So that's nine. So that puts Marner at the 10th best winger when people think he's like a top five, four or five winger. So he is really overrated, especially at the price point of how much is he getting paid. I don't know how much he's getting paid. For the ten ten point nine million dollars. Well, because I would argue like the the contract, the entire contract situation in Toronto is messed up because they pull they signed John Tavares to an eight year deal uh, worth I think it's ten million dollars per year or something like that, and then you sign Austin Matthews to an eleven point five. Like you've got forty million dollars locked up in four players, and it, when you've signed. Nylander to 6.7 mil. You've signed Tavares to like 10 mil. You've signed Matthews to 11.67, I think. Like, Marner's going to look at that and say, no, I'm not going to take a team discount. None of those guys did. Why do I have to? So I think that will artificially, like, raise the overratedness of him as well just because 
the comparables are making between seven to nine million dollars. Mm-hmm. Now that so yeah, said, that's, why, that's why I think Marner's like, and then if you talk about like he doesn't play defense at all, he's just a winger. Like I know like Drysaddle doesn't play defense either, but I'm just like adding on to my point of overratedness. Um, at least Tavares can and Matthews both guard their own end. Marner doesn't. He's a floater. Um, uh, Marner's a winger, so doesn't have any center. Like centers are always rated higher than wingers, anyways. So he's not going to be worth more than any of the top end centers. So that drops so, him even more, right? An interesting counter that I've seen to that argument is, uh, for example, majority of the games this season, the last few seasons, Marner is always paired with Matthews, and yet. A lot of comments that I've seen is say that's actually Marner that generally drives the play versus Matthews, who is obviously a more talented goal scorer, but doesn't really drive the play as much. I I feel like that would bring his worth up a little bit more if he's someone who can actually drive the line by himself. No, this goes to back to my first point, because Marner has the puck because the defense is watching Matthews, right? If you watch Matthews bring up the puck, both defenders are looking at Matthews. When Marner brings up the puck, both defenders are still watching Matthews while Marner has the puck. Because they know if Matthews gets the puck anywhere and shoots, it's probably going in the net. So they just double check where Matthews is. So they always get, Marner gets that easy in and then just needs to find uh, Matthews. I'm not saying he's a bad passer because he's a really great passer. But it's just that he has arguably one of the best scorers in the league passing for him right mm-hmm. so it's the same thing that like with um like why dry settle scores so much because he's having mcdavid same as tyson berry why is tyson berry scoring so much is he actually this good probably not he just gets passes from mcdavid right it works with um any team like that fair point can i change uh... my pick <laughs> i'll let andrew go first but i'm changing my pick Andrew, All right. What are you thinking? Uh, I know what my heart wants to say. Ah, <laughs> uh, so going into this thing, like thinking about it and hearing your question, having you guys share, um, I wanted to say Patrick Liney because I am not a fan of Patrick Liney at all. I think he's overrated. I don't. I think he he's not a team player. Uh, yes, he's a one-trick pony on the on the power play. Yes, he can kind of chip in like he can score goals like Ovechkin, but I don't think he's worth the hype as everyone gives to him. But I have to, if I'm being asked who's the most overrated player, I have to go with my boy Taylor Hall. And yes, I understand he's got 12 points in 15 games with the Bruins. For me, this is... For me right now, I think this is just you're on a new team, maybe for once a good team, you know, new linemates. You want to – you're excited because now you're on a new playoff team. You can actually try. Like you have a chance at the Cup. You're not on a bad team. But I want to see if this will last because for the last few years, he's been on New Jersey. He's been on Buffalo. Yes, are bad teams, but good, really good players who are worth the talk every single – trade deadline, every free agency uh, frenzy. Um, they still perform good on bad teams. Like, 
Look at McDavid on Dreisaitl back when the Oilers were really bad. They still got put up points. Look at Jack Eichel on Buffalo. When he's healthy, he still put up points. Now you have this guy, Taylor Hall. Yes, he had one good season where he dragged the New Jersey Devils to the playoffs. Every other year with New Jersey, he's been hot garbage. Like, And then he gets traded to Arizona, and he's been hot garbage. He gets traded to Buffalo, and he's hot garbage. He comes to Boston. He has, you know, a bit of a good start. Yes, it's been really good. But I'm just wondering, how long is this going to last? And do we have to hear him talked about how good he is every free agency signing, every deadline about how good Taylor Hall is when, for me, he's just not putting up the results? And the thing is, too, um, when I said that I wanted to change my pick, I was actually thinking of Taylor Hall. Um, you look at the biggest point everybody makes, just going back to him being with the Oilers and being an Oilers fan, the biggest point that everyone says is, well, Hall won the heart, and that's why that Larson for Hall trade was bad. But you look at it. Who has Taylor Hall played for since getting traded to New Jersey? He played for New Jersey, Arizona, Buffalo, now Boston. He's played for four different teams. Larson's been on the Oilers since that trade and has been a consistent part of that lineup and a shutdown defenseman on our team. So it's like I'd rather – I think the Oilers definitely won that trade, as hot of a take as that is. Well, and people tend to look at Taylor Hall and they see uh, his, uh, what is it, his fifth or his fourth season with the Oilers. It, this is Now, this is going back to 2013, 2014. The Oilers are bad, right? Like, they're bottom of the league. Management can't figure out their left hand from their right foot. And yet, Taylor Hall puts up 80 points. So they look at that and say, hey, you know what? This player is legit. He's still got it. And then he gets injured. Like, he's never played, I think he's only played four, yeah, he's only played four seasons where he's played more than 70 games in a season. He tends to get injured a lot. And I think the big injury that he sustained in 2018-19, he missed over half the season and yet still put up 37 points in 33 games. So you look at that, and he puts up points. Yeah, that's great, but he's already uh, 29 years old. He's got through a whole bunch of injuries. He's starting to slow down. He's only been uh, in the playoffs twice. I can absolutely twice. see why he'd be an overrated player. Like they, General managers in the NHL tend to look at past performances, and a lot of them, I've noticed, tend to look at the idea of, hey, if we bring in this player, he could – could put up 80 points in a season for us because he did it twice. He put up 80 points in a season one year and then 93 in the year he won the heart. So GMs will look at that and say, hey, that guy might be able to do it again, so let's sign him to a big contract. And I think it's a problem in general that you have in the league where people will look at, oh, he had he just had a down year. He needs a change of scenery. And sometimes, you know, sometimes that is true, but a lot of the times they'll look at it as, hey, this guy did used to do really well. Or, hey, this guy worked really well for me in another team. I mean, look at Milan Lucic when he signed for the Edmonton Oilers. Like, it absolutely was not a signing of this guy is going to be good. It was, 
a this guy was good in the past and the GM had him on the team. So, oh, of course he's going to do just as well because he's going to be the big bruiser because, you know, the Oilers in the 80s, they had uh, Gretzky with Curry and then Dave Semenko. So you just need that big guy who's going to hit everybody. And it didn't work out because, as it turned out, the player was more akin to him being bad like he was in his recent seasons versus being great like he was five years ago. Let's be real. Milan Lucic was never great. Ooh, that's a hot thing. He was good in Boston. He was good in Boston, but I don't think he was great. Like, let me just pull up his He, he just dropped really enough in Boston. Um, yeah. Well, Nick said, I want to I uh, talk about Taylor Hall for a second here. Um, I, I understand where you guys are coming from before if he is overrated or not. The thing I think is he is overrated depending on where you put him. Okay, so like if you think he's a top uh, 20-ish player or like top 15 player, then he is overrated. Yes. If you think of him as like a top 40 player, then he's not overrated. So the way I think of it is this guy, this Taylor Hall, before that injury in New Jersey that Brennan talked about was like a legit a top 10 player. That guy was going crazy, getting points, and there were some small injuries there. After that knee injury against the Devils, he has never been the same player. So that's why I wouldn't give him the overrated. I think his rating just dropped after the injury. Like, he's not the same player. The same as Eric Carlson after the injuries. Like, they just lost their best asset, which was their skating, right? Like, Taylor Hall is so much slower than he was back then then when he he won that MVP with New Jersey, right? And since that day, uh, since that New Jersey season... I don't think he's played a season over 40 games. So you can yeah. tell that. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Like, I was reading that earlier. He, Let me pull it up. He did. Uh, I have his stats up. Um, he did play the 2019-20 season. He played uh, 65 games in total, uh, split between the New Jersey Devils and the Arizona Coyotes. Okay, okay, so split. But right? that that was his, like, that was his first season back after his injury, and he's still, like, yeah. it was so, like, not I, I, a... It wasn't a point per game pace. He was yeah. not playing the way he used to. Yeah. I, so I just I don't think he's necessarily overrated. I just don't think he's the same player he once was. So if you are a fan that says, "Oh, he's the top five player that he was previously," oh yeah, for sure he's overrated. But like if you understand, oh, he got injured, he's not the same player. He's now a top forty player instead of a top fifteen player. Then then he's not overrated because he can still put um, decent points up. He's like definitely not as bad as he was this year in Buffalo, um, and like he still got um, I don't know how many points in Arizona and New Jersey that year. How many points did he get, Nick? Um, he got. Brandon? I have it up already. He got. I just got to do the math. So in like 60, 60 some games, in he had sixty-five games. He had fifty-two points. Yeah, so that's just a, like a point eight or point nine percent. So that's probably 50- where he is right now, like a a little bit lo- uh, lower than point per game. Like he'll like he'll help Buffalo because he's not there. He's not going to start start on the first line. You he's mean Boston? Second, oh, sorry, Boston. I apologize. He's not going to be on their first line. He's going to be a second line winger, which where he should be. He's probably a high tier second line winger actually, but it just it is overrated if you think he's like one of the best wingers in the league. Well, and that goes back to my point of some GMs looking at past performance versus like more current stats, right? Like. 
Um, he he is absolutely a top six winger in the league. He is not an elite player anymore. You pair him with elite guys, he's going to do well, but he's not, especially and knee injuries in hockey like that will that'll knock your game down a peg. The main thing I also think. Well, yeah. like he rehabbed differently than everyone else. The main thing about Taylor Hall, though, is he doesn't um, uh, he doesn't push the pace of the possession anymore. It used to be that he could run down the side, cycle the puck, and you have now possession in the offensive zone. And even though he wasn't very offensive, everyone has the puck. Now you can set up and do your thing. He no longer can do that. He no longer. It's the same thing with Carlson. Carlson can no longer um, skate up the puck stop in the offensive zone and just sit there and set up. Well, so and they, it's interesting. They lost it's, that. It's, it, it's interesting. We bring up like, okay, so we're talking about players that they'll look at the past seasons and say, this is why he's a top player in the league and why he's overrated. And that actually comes to my pick. Cause my pick for most overrated is honestly drew Doughty. Like people will look at drew Doughty and say, at one point in time, he was the best defenseman in the league. He put up major points while also being able to shut down the play. And compare him to now, where people still say that, but he's honestly not. I was pulling up the stats recently. He still puts up a good amount of points. He's still, like, um, last season uh, in 67 games, he put up 36 points, which is less than his, like, general average, but he's st- it's still points, right? But you can tell looking at his stats, he's been declining, declining. His, I know Nick hates it when I bring this up, but his plus minus is absolutely atrocious uh, in the last three seasons. And if you're a defenseman, if you can't defend or like put up a good amount of points, like you're not going to find success in the league. And Drew Doughty, because at one point he was considered one of the best, if not the best in the league, I, I think people still overrate him because of that history versus the player he is now. When I was thinking of overrated now, I, I thought I was like, oh, Drew Doughty would be the easy pick. Because if you think he's a top five defenseman, then he's definitely overrated. Drew Doughty's still like a top 20, for sure a top 20. Like he's a top pairing guy. And he can eat up a whole bunch of minutes. He'll eat more than 25 to 30 minutes a night. It's just that he's no longer that elite status of like top tier. I'm going to get I'm going to get points and I'm going to get defend. Now he's getting to that age where like, oh, I can only choose if I can defend or points. I can't I don't have enough energy for both. Right. So he's getting to that point where he can't do everything anymore. Um, And so he is overrated if you think he's like a top five. I, I think even like even two or three years ago, he was a top five, like close to one, right? But I think um, injuries last season and then um, uh, just getting old, you get slowed down. 100%. Um, also, and, also, the team being the worst doesn't help. Yes, that generally does not help your overall stats. Um, but it goes back to that thing, right? You go, You talk to a casual viewer who say maybe, will tune into the occasional game or they remember the Olympics from 2014 or whatever. And you hear Drew Doughty's name and you assume, Oh, he was best in the league. He must still be there. And I think that's where some people overrate him, right? Because it's not that history, even though I'm sure there would be more than a few GMs who would look at Drew Doughty and say, Hey, if you were trading him, I would take him. 
because of the namesake alone. Eleven, but eleven I, million. Yeah. I was gonna 11 say eleven million dollars. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone takes them for the eleven million. That's uh, huge. I, I, I think no. I think you could find a team to do it. No, but I, I I I think like they're very like it's it would be tough to do. It's definitely not a good like it would not be a good trade. Um, but I there's could no way. see there's a no GM way. thinking this is. There's that no is, way. This is it. not yeah. NHL 21 franchise mode where you can do any trade. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's absolutely not franchise mode because in franchise mode, Drew Doughty is still like one of the best, is the okay. best defenseman Brennan, in the league. Tell me this. Brennan, tell me this. Do you think Eric Carlson can get, get traded? Uh, I don't, but I believe okay. his injury history ha- makes if him a Eric lot Carlson more If Eric Carlson can get traded, Drew Doughty can't get traded. They're both eleven some million dollars. Drew Doughty might be a little bit better because Drew Doughty can play better defensively, but that cap it is just way too big. It's like it's the same reason. Like McDavid, Panarin, these guys can't get traded. It's just they're just too big. Like and there's nothing that you could offer. Like I don't think even like Carey Price could get traded or the Toronto trio, the Marner, Tavares, Matthews. That's a fair point. Or Bobrovsky, he will yeah, never exactly. will never get traded. Well, Nick, I know you. Heard, I heard you say Gretzky. Um, the difference between trades back then versus trades now is a lot of what you could do is I'm going to trade you this player and you're going to give me cash. Like because you true. can't do that also, anymore. Like Gretzky that really was like limits everything. Also, the Gretzky was a good trade. Like. The the team that was getting him, LA, was like, oh, this is a good trade for us. No one would want to take Carlson or Drew Doughty. Like, the salary cap, yeah, the way it is, it just doesn't work. And, like, and especially, like, okay, let's just imagine we're trading McDavid, too, right? There's no package that the Oilers would take. Like, there's no, like, three people that equal $12.5 million with enough picks that equal McDavid. It's just yeah. too ridiculous to trade. The only reason a player like Line could get traded was because Line was still on his um, like he just re-signed after RFA, so he was on that like mid-level. He wasn't getting top-tier money yet. Right. Well, it was the same as Pierre Luc Dubois, right? Like both of them had just signed yeah. their quote-unquote bridge deals. So now I think like I'll be interested to see how Patrick Line does next season under a different coach. Because it's been widely known that he was not a Tortorella system guy. And now with John Tortorella stepping down, like, I'd be curious to see how he does under a new coach. But uh, once again, remains to be seen whether or not he'll actually play up to his potential or will be just an overrated uh, flunk out draft pick like uh, Andrew is saying. He may look like a goat, but he's not a goat. That's all I'm going to say about that. Conversely, Pierre Luc Dubois has looked quite good in Winnipeg. Dubois is, was good everywhere, I think. Dubois is, is a good center. He's just mm-hmm. not flashy, if, if you know what I mean. Like totally. If if you watch him, you like you're like, oh, I don't care. He does everything right. He like, yeah. he reminds me of a young Ryan O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. Just and Ryan like O'Reilly guy, ended up becoming one of the best centers in the league. So Ryan O'Reilly just does everything right. Mm-hmm. Ryan O'Reilly went from drunk driving and crashing into a Tim Hortons in Buffalo. <laughs> to winning a Stanley Cup within, like, a year. Just goes to show you anything can happen in the NHL. 
Uh, and with that, I think we're going to wrap it up today. We're uh, a little over time, but I think this has been a very, very entertaining chat. I hope people listening out there in podcast world enjoy it.